0: This week's episode of A Quick Timeout is presented by 323 Sports. The team dealer that promises to do it right will have your uniforms, equipment, and spirit wear on time and looking great. Visit 323 Sports to find out more. On today's show, we welcome back ESPN's Richie Schuler. If you aren't from out west, you may not be as familiar with Richie. When you're up late after coaching your team to an exciting win and you turn on an 11 p.m. college basketball game, Richie's usually the guy that's on the call. In this week's episode, we talk West Coast hoops, as well as some strategies he's seeing in college basketball. He's a former college player and coach himself, so he provides some helpful insight for us coaches. One last thing before we get started, next week is Christmas week, so there won't be a regular podcast episode. However, I plan to have some special gifts for you all, so be sure to download and listen to that episode when it comes out. Now, I hope you enjoy today's interview with Richie Schuler. Richie Shuler, ESPN College Basketball Analyst and owner of PhD Hoops joins us today. Richie, to this point in the season, every number one team has lost. So records and rankings aside, who is the best team in the country right now? It's a great question to ask and and great to be on the show. Yeah, I mean, what has there been? Four
1: number ones that have gone down already? Uh, Three went down in the month of November. Yeah, it's been insane. So. I mean, even talk about a 26-hour period where three number or three top five teams went down as of late. So who knows who the number one team in the country is? Uh, I think Kansas has has yet to uh, be hyped up a little bit too much. I think Kansas is a team that I think is could very well be that team. I think Ohio State's another guy or another uh, program that could be uh, that number one squad. I think Chris Holtman is uh, a phenomenal coach, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Ohio State going deep, deep in the
0: March Madness Tournament come March you call quite a few games for mid-major programs and you went to a school with a mid-major basketball program we've seen Stephen F. Austin Evansville with marquee wins Dayton's in the top 15 there's a couple teams like Liberty and Duquesne that are also undefeated do you do you feel like there's maybe two or three things that you can attribute the success of programs like that getting those types of wins or just being that successful early on in the season?
1: Well, I think parity is 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 closing in more and more. I've always said that, and I think it's uh I think it continues to happen. I think with the way programs are able to endorse themselves and get themselves out there with social media and whatnot, I think it it definitely uh, gives smaller programs an advantage where it used to be only the big schools would get all the love and the attention nationwide. Now you know about some of these smaller schools, so recruits tend to go there. But you know, I also believe that these mid-major programs are just loaded with upperclassmen players, juniors and seniors, players that have been in the program four to five years, sometimes a six-year if they get that extra waiver for whatever reason. And when you're playing against teams, just take that Kentucky-Evansville game, for example. You know, Kentucky uh, is loaded with freshmen and a lot of young players, sophomores, and you have a team like Evansville that has a veteran group, and you have these guys who have been playing together, been playing college basketball for a long time. I don't care how talented you are as a young basketball player, experience goes a long, long way. And I think with some of these wins, Stephen F. Austin, Evansville, you could go on and on. I think a lot of it has to do with the experience of those mid-major players that have played much more basketball at that level than some of these young guns that are going into these massive programs.
0: So as you watch these games, you're primarily a West Coast guy and, and you hear Uh, We hear the term West Coast and probably a lot of people think of Gonzaga and Oregon, maybe UCLA, USC. But there's some really good basketball out West, maybe some teams that have caught your attention early on uh, or some programs that have been over the last couple of years, as you've called games that have been successful.
1: You know, it's funny because I'm from the Midwest and and like you, was on the East Coast for a long time coaching and I never paid attention to West Coast basketball. And now here I am in the thick of it and uh, probably know more about West Coast basketball now than I did when I was out in the Midwest or East and um, yeah, there's excellent basketball out here. It just, it, you know, they don't get a lot of exposure. A lot of the games that I work are eleven, twelve at night on the East coast. And you know how many people are actually watching that game. So you don't get a chance to, to see these teams and the higher population, you know, when you talk about media coverage, they're going to cover where there's a bigger population, where there's more population on the East coast. So, um, you know, they're going to talk more about those teams but you're right. I mean, a lot of these programs out here, you talk about Oregon and uh, Arizona and you know, I could go on and on, um, USC and all these programs that are pretty good out here. Colorado is really good in the Pac-12 this year. San Diego State just cracked the top 25. Utah State, St. Mary's, you could talk a lot about those schools. But, you know, I'll tell you, uh, the program that I think is going to be really good this year, and I didn't expect it after everything that went down with all the investigations and whatnot by the FBI, Arizona. Arizona is really good. I worked one of their games at the Wooden Legacy in Anaheim and they're outstanding. They got three freshmen that are uh, some of the best freshmen in the country. You don't hear about them as much, but I think all three of them will be in the NBA a year from now. And then they have five, six upperclassmen, grad transfers and transfers from mid-majors and all these different schools that have kind of filled in around them. So the game I worked, it was Arizona against uh, Wake Forest. Those three freshmen Uh, really struggled but yet they're their three leading scores I think even rebounders as well and assist makers and all that kind of stuff Uh, they struggled but the upperclassmen around them uh, kind of brought them up using their experience level to get them where they needed to be so I just think they have a great blend of terrific young freshmen and then great great experience and You know, I think at this point in time, I think they've only lost a game or two. So I think they're going to be really good come Pac-12 Conference Tournament time.
0: As someone who sits courtside several times a week, you see players, you talk with coaches and and talk with the players themselves. I kind of wanted to talk about some of the things that maybe go on behind the scenes or things that you observe just being there close by. You know, the first one is kind of related to style of play and having been yourself a player and then also calling games for several years now. Do you feel like the style of play has changed at all? And maybe what are some things that you attribute that to?
1: Yeah, I do think it's changed. You know, the sexy term nowadays is positionless basketball. And you're seeing a lot of players who are not as big as they once were on the floor. I mean, you'll still see length. But it used to be, all right, you're small, you play the guard spot. You're huge, you play in the post. Uh, You still kind of see that. But I I feel like you have uh, a lot of coaches that want to have length in every position. And let me give you an example, Utah State, you know, they're back and forth in the top 25. It's a program, their smallest player is six foot three. Uh, Their tallest player is seven foot two. They're the second biggest team in the land. Second to Washington, by the way, who's also another fantastic uh, West Coast program. But I, I think positionless basketball is legit. You know, people are saying, hey, let's not label you, you know, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, whatever it may be. Let's get our best five on the floor and make it work. I still think you have to have that point guard who's going to run the show. Maybe you have two guys on the floor that serve as a point guard. But other than that, and maybe you have a center if you have that role, or maybe you just have two post players, whatever it is. But you know, everything else, you can kind of just blend them together on the floor. And I, where does that come from? I, I, I honestly think, well, first of all, everything kind of trickles down from the NBA. You know, If the NBA plays a certain way, Colleges play a certain way, and then it trickles down to the high school levels and middle school and whatever else. But um, I, I will say that what 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, it was the dribble drive was the, was the sexy phrase. You know, John Calipari popularized the dribble drive offense when he was at Memphis and then it went on to Kentucky. And I, I think positionless basketball is kind of more from the dribble drive offense uh, into being that where you have much more smaller guys on the floor um, and less big guys and credit golden, golden state warriors with the, the, the that they had for the last five years up until this season, they were one of those programs, a lot of smaller guys on the floor. Not a whole lot of size on the floor um, as far as in their posts, but they got it done from shooting outside.
0: And as you and I were talking beforehand, just the in the, the data-driven decisions that are made, you got to have five guys that can shoot from outside so that they can stretch the floor, but then also create the opportunities at the rim. I see it even at our level, and those who aren't taking advantage of that aren't having the success. Do you see even that kind of flipping it around because we think positionless basketball offensive side – but even defensively, uh, maybe you've observed this, but switching defenses, you know, downing ball screens, being able to guard the five positions, being able to switch and, and play those other positions so you don't end up with mismatches on the floor maybe?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, I think what you're getting at maybe is that because it's positionless, we're, we're smaller on the floor, right? There's a lot less uh, size on the floor. And I, I think, you know, if you really look at it, look at um, – Look at all the different basketball players across the world. I mean, most of us are not huge. Most of us are perimeter players. So, and I think skill development has gotten so strong that, you know, there's so many players that are small that have gotten to play at a high level. So you got to find a way to play these guys at the same time. You know, even if they're small, hey, they can really do something with the basketball. They can shoot it. They can make plays. They can get to the basket. They can do certain things. So because you have smaller players on the floor – you've got to find a way to win with them. And this is why I really respect high school coaches because whoever mommy or daddy sends to school, they have to find a way to win with them. Well, if you're a college program or an NBA, you can kind of recruit the style of play that you want in your program. And if you want to play that way, fine. I think you're right. You're seeing guys front the post when they're guarding the post because maybe their team is a little bit undersized in comparison to the other team that they're playing. Or maybe you have a perimeter player who is guarding a post player because like you said, they're doing some switching on the basketball court, and I have seen that. I've seen that quite a bit, actually, especially with teams that have uh, equal length across the five players on the floor, whether you know, they're small, medium size, whatever it is. They're equal length. They have long arms. They're rangy. You're seeing a lot of switching. I don't know where exactly that's coming from, but you're seeing a lot of switching on the floor, which I think uh, it definitely changes the style of play.
0: And some more X's and O's, as far as you observing coaches or teams, who should we be studying more or watching more or looking more up on YouTube? You know, I've always said, um, you gotta, you gotta coach what you know. You know, when I
1: was a head coach my first year, I, I tried something I had never done before and it really learned me a lot. I taught, I I taught myself how to do these things and I I learned from other people, but at the same time, it just wasn't me. you know, going into my second and third year, I kind of morphed into the coach I wanted to be, the style of play that I wanted to play, the stuff that I knew how to teach. And I think a lot of times it, it's less about, hey, I want to be like that coach. Let me go learn from that coach and more about, hey, you know, who did you work under? What did you run? What did you run as a player? Uh, what are you able to teach instinctually, not just Hey, I learned this somewhere in a book or I learned this from a coach. Let me teach it to you. When you've played it and actually done it and you can own that offense or defense, I think you're a lot better as an instructor on the floor, you know, but I, and I will say though, I mean, one of the, I I talk about him again, Chris Holtman at Ohio state, I I think is outstanding. I think he's a a great X and O guy. I think he's a great motivator. Um, And he's somebody that I would like to learn from because I think his style of play kind of matches how I would like to play. But, um, Yeah, I mean, you could go on and on. There's a zillion coaches out there to learn from. It just really depends on the style of play that you're uh, most comfortable uh, teaching and learning a little bit more on.
0: As I watch a game, I like to look for the wrinkles that coaches use to, to maybe throw off an opponent. You know, it could be something like an ATO or some sort of defensive adjustment like trapping the ball screen the first play out of the half. Uh, just anything to earn next to possession or a quick score. Have you have you seen anything or does anything come to mind maybe that you've seen early in this college basketball season that coaches have used that have been successful in that area?
1: You know, I don't know if I have can, can pinpoint anything exactly. Like anything that, hey, this, this is something that happens a lot of times out of a timeout or wherever it may be. But I, I will say that... Some of the best programs I've seen coaches draw up something out of a timeout. Uh, And and yeah, defensively, but I guess I'm thinking more along the lines of offensively. Yeah, coming out of a timeout, you might switch the defense to throw the opponent off, or you might try to press them real quick, or you try to do a quick trap. Uh, But it might be an out-of-bounds play that maybe the other team hasn't seen before. It might be a set that maybe the other team hasn't seen before in scouting and preparation. But I know when I was coaching, a lot of times that's something I wanted to do, but Uh, You know, I know there's a zillion things going on through your mind when you're a head coach. It would be good if you had an assistant coach remind you every time, hey, coming out of this timeout, coach, we need to make sure we draw something up to throw off the defense.
0: For those of us who are on the East Coast and maybe don't see a lot of West Coast games, are there maybe a couple teams that we should be watching for or or somebody that you think could have a a run in the tournament? Um, I know it's still early on in the season, but somebody that maybe has impressed you early on in the season.
1: Well, I think the obvious is Gonzaga. Gonzaga is, is, I mean, they're, they're always good. They're always great. Mark few does a phenomenal job and he has for years, a couple of decades, I think now, uh, I think Oregon, uh, I know a lot of times every year we get our hopes up on Oregon, um, but they don't always come through. But I think Oregon is a team that, that could be very dangerous this year, especially with the way teams are falling left and right, <laughs> you know, from that number one slot, even in the top five, uh, Arizona, I mentioned them earlier. I, I really think Arizona is a team that, um, is going to turn some heads. And and I would say Washington too, you know, the, the longest team in the country, the tallest team in the country. They they do a lot of the, Mike Hopkins was at Syracuse under Jim Bayheim for so long. He does a lot of that same two, three zone and he's, and, you know, he's just making it happen on the West coast. And so it's a, it's a different style of play that every team in that league has to prepare for uh, only twice a year. So it's kind of a niche defense that works for them, but you know, some of the mid major programs, yeah, Gonzaga is in a mid major conference, but you know, St. Mary's, watch out for them. San Diego State, Utah State, I mean, these are all programs that wouldn't be surprised if they
0: made some noise uh, at the end of the season. Winding things down here, there's quite a few more listeners than we had the last time that you were on here, and they may not be aware of, of something else that you kind of do on the side. You want to talk about PhD Hoops and kind of what that is and the resources that are available there for coaches?
1: Well, I know that if you go to phdhoops.com, you're going to see the the link to a quick timeout so they can listen to all your basketball coaching podcasts. Yeah,
0: It's right there there on there for everybody
1: to see. Uh, (laughs) Now, about a year and a half ago, I had this vision. I wanted to create uh, a website that would be good for educating both coaches and players. And so if you go to phdhoops.com, there's a lot of shared knowledge on there from basketball experts everywhere. I really feel like the website is still kind of in the, the infancy stage where there is a lot more that needs to be put on there. But there are categories of, you know, different things that people can benefit from, you know, coaching resources. There might be coaching interviews on there and philosophies and clinic notes, or it might be team drills or X and O's, uh, a lot of player development type activities, uh, things that players can use or coaches can use or, or watch and, and learn to, to teach their players with. Uh, but, you know, we're starting to, to, you know, spread it a little bit more. I mean, we're, we're getting into some camps. You know, skills advancement camps for kids. Uh, we are looking into doing some uh, coaching roundtable clinics, uh, some skills training across the country, and something we've been doing since the beginning of it was uh, international travel tours for players anywhere from 12 years old up to 25. And and that is uh, you know where we give players an opportunity to experience playing in another country for a week, week and a half, Playing in tournaments and different things like that uh, to try to help them become as best players as they can, get a feel for international style of play, and, and just get a great you know ac- or educational, maybe cultural experience as well. So, we're always looking to recruit players for that as well. If coaches have anybody in mind for that, please reach out to me.
0: And where are you guys going this summer? We've
1: got three trips this summer, actually. Matter of fact, we have four. Uh, the three international trips one goes to Spain, it's called the Euro Youth Basketball Cup, uh, which is, you know, it'll be a bunch of a bunch of European teams there, and then us, uh, which is exciting. We'll be the only team there representing the United States. Uh, we also go to um, what's called the United World Games. United world Games is great. You're talking 35 or 40 countries, uh, like 12,000 athletes from around the world. They're up to like 16 sports now. It's like a miniature Olympic experience. Uh, we also go to Barbados on one trip. Yeah, a lot of college-age players I take down to Barbados. Uh, and let me tell you, Barbados, it's a tiny little island. I never thought basketball there would be any good. But if I was still coaching college basketball, I'd be in Barbados every summer recruiting because they've got talent, lots of talent down on the island. Um, So I got to have good players to go compete against them. Uh, And then we also do a tour out in L.A. Uh, I live in Los Angeles now, um, so it's a domestic tour where we give young people an opportunity to really see the city and uh, explore the city. But at the same time, we're doing a lot of skills work uh, throughout the duration of the week. So it's exciting stuff.
0: And they can connect with you on social media as well, Twitter and Instagram, right?
1: Yep. Twitter, um, at Richie Shuler, Instagram, um, just type in Richie Schuler as well. You'll find me or the easiest way might be just to email me, uh, Richie at phdhoops.com, Richie at
0: phdhoops.com. Yeah. Some awesome opportunities coming up. Maybe some coaches, you mentioned Barbados probably perked up as they were listening to that. (laughs) So, uh, that's Richie Shuler, college basketball analyst for ESPN. Richie, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey man. Thanks for having me. Keep up the great work. Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast, no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and share the podcast with your coaching friends to help us grow the game. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.